Now, looking at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting at verse 13. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be called up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your word. It does give us encouragement. It gives us instruction. Uh, it gives us admonishment. But Lord, it tells us that you love us. And so we ask that you would open our hearts and minds to your word today, that we might hear what you would have to say to each one of us. And it's in Jesus' name we're gathered, and we give him all the glory and praise. Amen. The occasion for this passage that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians is because they were so convinced about the Lord's imminent return that they started to worry about the ones who had died, thinking they had missed it, worried that they would not be resurrected. And so Paul is writing to them to assure them that no, all of those who died in the Lord will be risen up with him in the air before the rest of us go. There is the picture in the, in, in the Bible, in the Old Testament. It's a study. It's fascinating. I could spend all afternoon on it. I'll, I'll just try to give you a brief glimpse. But you'll remember some terms from Old Testament, basically, the <coughs> bosom of Abraham or paradise. And Jesus, when he was on the cross, he turned to the one thief that stood up for him and said, This day thou shalt be with me in paradise. It's a natural misconception to think he's talking about heaven, but he wasn't. What Jesus is talking about is Abraham's bosom or paradise was the same place. And the picture we have from Jewish teaching is that uh, another word for death is the pit. That after we passed away, we would go to the place of the dead, the pit. And that pit is divided into two parts, the, where the righteous go and where the unrighteous go. The righteous being Old Testament people before Christ who tried to follow God, who tried to obey God, lived their life the best they could, or the unrighteous who didn't worry about God, didn't try to please him, just lived their own way. There's those two sections. We see that illustrated in Jesus' parable teachings about the rich man and Lazarus, uh, and we see 
The rich man looked across a great gulf, the Bible tells us, and saw Lazarus and asked that God would send Lazarus back to tell his brothers and one of the one of the virgins to warn his brothers. And God says they have the prophets, they have the scriptures. If they've not believed, they're not going to believe because Lazarus went back. But we have this picture of a of a gap there in the place of the dead. Sheol is another old word for it. And the two sides where the righteous were and the unrighteous. Where the righteous go is referred to as Abraham's bosom or paradise. Then the other place is just the place of the dead. When Jesus was on the cross speaking to the thief, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise, he's meaning the thief would go to that Abraham's bosom, to that side of Sheol that was for the righteous. Later, Paul writes about that when Jesus says, what does it mean that he ascended except that he first descended and set the captives free? You see what happened in those three days when Jesus died on the cross and, and, and was buried in the tomb is the Bible teaches us that he descended into the place of the dead and led the righteous free to go to heaven. You see, the reason they initially went to Sheol, the place of the dead, is because the only way to get into heaven is faith in the atoning work of Jesus Christ. His atoning work has to cover your sins or you don't get in. And at that time, up until the time Jesus died on the cross, their sins were not atoned for. But when he died on the cross, he made the payment for everybody's sin that had ever lived and, and the righteous who believed in him. He died for those sins of the people that were alive at the time. And then he died for the sins of all of us yet to come. And once that work was done, all the righteous who had tried to live by God were freed from the chains of death and Sheol and were then able to ascend into heaven. There is another reference when David, if you remember the story of David and Bathsheba, Bathsheba, of course, uh, became pregnant by David and had the child and the child did not live. And David is grieving mightily whenever the child is sick. It wasn't, it wasn't a stillbirth. It was born alive, but it was very ill. And David is just pouring his heart out, praying to God to let the child live, just in grief and agony. And then when the child dies, it says the servants were afraid to go in and tell David what happened because if he had been in such grief while it was sick, what would he do? when he learned the child had died. Well, G David kind of realized what was going on and he turned to him and said, the child is gone. And then he got up, cleaned himself, went about his business and they go, what's this master? When the child was sick, you, could, you wouldn't eat, you wouldn't do anything, you wouldn't bathe, you were, 
grieving and mourning and prayer, but now that the child has died, you're getting up like nothing happened. And David said, while the child was sick, there was still a chance. But now that he's died, I cannot go to him. No, he cannot come to me, but I can go to him. And we have that picture there. It teaches us. It it really gets in depth. Of God doesn't hold innocence to that death sentence of sin. That baby did not reject Christ. He did not reject the ways of God. And so when it passed, it then would have gone into the place of uh, Sheol, of uh, Abraham's bosom, and David is saying, I will go to him when I pass. And then when Jesus came, as I said, all those people, the captives, the Psalms tells us he led captive the host in his train. Jesus cleaned out that side of Sheol. It's empty. Now, when we pass, we immediately go to be with the Father because Jesus' blood has covered our sins we're atoned and we do not need to go to the Abraham's bosom paradise to shield. The unrighteous are still there waiting for the day of judgment when Christ will return and will set things right and where Jesus talks about how each one will come and stand before the great white throne of judgment and be judged as to their deeds, whether they believe or not. Fascinating teachings. And so Paul is trying to get them to understand this, that yes, he had been preaching the resurrection and that's the glorious thing about Jesus Christ. That's one of the differences in our faith and other faiths is that we believe we will be resurrected because our Lord was resurrected and because of what our Lord said, that we will be with him because he has said and promised, I go to prepare a place for you and if I go, I will come back for you. Jesus right now is preparing that place in heaven where we get to go on that day. And my wife has something that that I really enjoy and it's one of her phrases that she'll often say to people when she's saying goodbye to them is she'll say, I'll see you again here, there, or in the air. Won't that be a glorious day when that catching up occurs and we can turn to each other and say, we're doing it. We're on our way. Don't know if it'll be like that or not. We like to personify it. It may be that quick. Whatever it is, it's going to be great. And it's coming. Keep your hope. And that's what Paul's talking to the people here. And they had that assurance. They, they, they believed in the resurrection and what was happening, but they were concerned about those who had already died. And he's assuring them, no, no. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive shall be called up to meet them in the air. And that gets to be a riddle, and some people like to make a, uh, a thing out of it that the rapture, that word, the rapture is not in the Bible. And that's true. You can look all the way through, you will not find the word rapture. Rapture is a Latin term that means being called up. And Paul uses the term that we shall all be caught up to meet him in the air. 
And so that's where the teaching is that on that day, either when God returns to set his kingdom right, we will be called up to meet him or the day that our last breath is taken. Those who have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord will be called up to meet him in the air. But there's a phrase in here that I think is very important because verse 16 says, uh, excuse me, verse 15 says, according to the Lord's own word. In other words, you don't have to take Paul's word for this, even though Paul's trustworthy, certainly knew the scriptures, understood. He says, according to the own Lord's own word. So let's look at that. That's Matthew chapter 24. Jesus is preaching on signs of the end of the age. And it's really interesting, the most detailed information we have about that is from Jesus in the Gospels. Revelation is great. Revelations uh, can be, the book of Revelation can be difficult to understand. It's great y'all are going to study it. Jesus actually kind of talks more clearly about it. And in chapter 24, at verse, uh, let's see where we want to go, what did I say, 26, the whole chapter is fascinating, but verse 26, Jesus said, so if anyone tells you, there he is out in the desert, do not go out, or he is here in the inner room, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east, and flashes to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. And then if we jump down to verse 30, Jesus continues, At that time the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations on earth will mourn. Why are they going to mourn? Because judgment's coming. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. It's good news for us. It's uh, not good news for those who have rejected him. Verse 31 continues, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect. Who's that? That's you who believe in Jesus Christ. He will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. So Jesus is speaking here. Jesus is teaching that when that day comes, it's going to be like lightning. And you know how quick lightning is. It's, it's hard to see. It's very quick. It happens instantly. And it flashes through the sky. And he talks about how there'll be a trumpet call. And then he's going to gather his elect. He's going to catch them up to heaven. So that's what Paul's referring to here and Jesus is talking about that there is coming this day and Jesus goes on he has other teachings about the tribulation and what things are going to happen and, and, and all that before that occurs and those of you who have uh, lived a long time like I have have heard many sermons about it you probably remember hearing preachers guess who the Antichrist is I, I can remember several talking about there have been people who have said, this is the day the world's going to end, and it didn't end. And someone has once said, as soon as somebody says, this is when it's going to end, we know that's when it's not going to end. How come? 
For Jesus said, No man knows the hour, neither the angels in heaven, nor the Son of Man. Somehow God keeps that separate. So no one knows when that's going to occur. But Jesus is very, very definite, very adamant that that time is coming and encouraging us, admonishing us to be ready. So many parables, the parables of the ten virgins, where five did not have their lamp ready when the bridegroom came and they missed it. Years ago, Sue and I sang in a singing group called Sunlight, S-O-N-L-I-G-H-T. And there was a popular song back in that day, uh, I Wish We'd All Been Ready. Life was filled with guns and wars and everyone got trampled on the floor. I wish we'd all been ready. At that time, I had, I was in the mode like we have as young people, I carried around a big pocket watch. And I wore bib overalls from time to time. Sue and I bought matching overalls, weren't we cute? But I had that watch, and as we would sing, we'd get to the end of it. I wish we'd all been ready. And then when the song ended, I'd hold that pocket watch up to the mic, and it would, it would, it was here. Silence. It's going to be something like that. And Paul is encouraging them, and we can be encouraged if we'll believe in what God says, if we'll trust his word, that it's real, it's true, he's true, and that day is coming. And it's been 2,000 years plus since Paul wrote those letters, and we've heard many, many uh, sermons, many books have been read, movies have been uh, made about those coming in times, all the Left Behind series, fascinating books by Tim LaHaye. And it's easy for us to get jaded. And the Apostle Peter addressed this because people were saying, it's not going to happen. We've been here all these years. Nothing's ever happened. And Peter reminded him, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some consider slackness. A day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. But God is not willing that any should perish but that all might come to eternal life. So Paul's encouraging them, don't think just the only reason the Lord is tarrying, the only reason the Lord is taking time is to give time for people to accept Jesus as Savior. It's an act of mercy on his part because when that day comes, there's not another chance. There's not another Way to go. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's a little harsh to us today. We, we want choices. We want to give people a way out. Jesus says, no. There's one way. And there's one time. And that time is coming. And that is a source of joy for us Christians that we can look forward to and hope. But it ought to be a source of burden. Each and every one of us know people, maybe had people in our family that we know have not made a profession of faith, do not call on the name of Jesus. And we love them. And we want them to have eternal life. And so we need to be praying, first off, to the Holy Spirit. 
And one of the ways I encourage people to pray, you know, I, a friend and I were talking about this recently. There's something interesting, and, and Sue and I have had this, uh, and maybe you spouses have had it as well. There were things I would tell her, and she didn't disagree, but it seemed like it went in one ear and out the other. It didn't register. Didn't dislike me, didn't distrust me, you know, just whatever. Then we would go to a to, to church or some other conference and somebody would say it, that's the speaker, and it's, oh, wow, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard. I, was, I just said that last week. You've all experienced that. And so those loved ones that we care so much about, a lot of times our words seem to fall on deaf ears. We need to say it. We need to tell them. We need to live the life. But we can also say, Lord, send somebody to them they'll listen to. Send somebody to them that they'll connect with. And I believe he'll do that. And so we want to pray that God would be working because God, that, that's how you can pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, send someone to my child, my grandchild, my niece, my nephew, whomever it is, my co-worker that can connect with them so they can hear the gospel and receive. You're praying in the name of Jesus when you pray for that. When you pray for an open parking space, that may not be in the name of Jesus. He may know you need to exercise, not pointing any fingers. But uh, So that's what you can do. But it should burden us. And there's another sermon I may do it sometime. I won't go into it now. But it's called Two Tears in Heaven. We think of heaven as there'll be a place, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. But there's an interesting verse in Revelation. And that verse says, he shall wipe away every tear. You that know your grammar know what I'm getting at. He shall. It hadn't happened yet. He shall wipe away every tear. And so I put forth what those tears are. And I think one tear is for those who didn't accept Christ. And some of the ones that we didn't say anything to when we had the chance. Let's not waste our time, folks. Revelation chapter 19, verse 7. Little different verse, celebrating. Let us rejoice and be glad. And give Him the glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. You are, we are the bride of Christ. And we want to be ready we want to have our wigs trimmed when the bridegroom comes that we're ready to meet him. And like every bride, we want to be dressed in the prettiest dress there is. And men, that doesn't mean we got to put on a gown. It means we want to be as clean from sin as possible when we meet Christ. So that we have no or very little shame at meeting him. Living for Him because that glorious day is coming. And these words should give us hope. Because times are tough. You know that. You know them better than I do in some cases. And we know that old phrase that it's darkest just before the dawn. 
But Psalm 30, verse 5 says to us, his anger only lasts for a moment. God gets angry. Don't fool yourself. He gets angry. But it lasts only for a moment. But his favor lasts a lifetime. It's eternal. Weeping may come for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And there's a great morning coming. And it's a day that we look forward to. It's a day we prepare to. And it's a day that, that I'm hoping as a church, as, as we're enjoying worshiping God and enjoying each other's company and enjoying the improvements that we'll want to share that. The message we're sharing is not, hey, we're going to paint the sanctuary. The message is, there's a God that loves you. There's a God that no matter what you've done, he'll forgive you. He forgave me. And there's a God that has already laid down his life for you so that you can be resurrected to an eternal life. There's a God that says, I've come that you might have life and that more abundant. This is the message we're giving. And these things that are happening, like the renovations, like Team Kid, like anything else going on are a way to open a conversation with the people that we can say to them, have you seen, have you heard about the improvements to our building? Boy, we're just so blessed. It's looking good again. We got dried out. We're not wetbacks anymore. It doesn't smell musty. And now we can worship God even better. I wish you'd come worship with us. It might be you're driving to work with a friend or just sitting around chewing the fat. And you say something like, what do you reckon happens when you die? To get talking about it. And so often the way human nature is, when you give people a chance to express their opinion, typically they'll come back and say, what do you think? Boom, the door's open. I can share what I think. Or... Just any kind of phrase. I shared with you, I think, uh, the, the, about a pastor friend of mine got in an elevator with a housekeeper and said, which way are you going? She said, I'm going up. He says, I'm going up one day. And she scooted out the door. That quick, he planted a seed. We're seed planters, folks. We don't reap the harvest. God brings the harvest. Apollo, Paul sowed the seed. Apollos watered but God brings the harvest. We're to sow the seed. And as we sow the seed, we're doing what God has called us to do. He doesn't ask you to save anybody. You can't. He asks you to share, to sow the seed. And you can do that from a sense of hope. And one way you do that in a testimony is just real three quick little questions. My life before I knew Christ how I came to know Christ in my life after Christ. Those three quick statements can be said in just a few minutes. You know, I wandered around, didn't know what I was doing. My life was a mess before I accepted Christ, but then I read his word, heard a sermon, whatever it is. I know, I know a friend that came to the Lord from reading Revelation. And then you said, since that time, I still got problems but the Lord is with me and he sees me through them. 
It doesn't take a big, a big exposition. You don't have to know tens of verses. Just share what's in here about God. It won't always find fertile ground. Or it may be any of you are farmers, you know, you got to put something in in the spring if you want to see something in the fall. It doesn't come up right away. may look like you hadn't put anything in the ground, but you sow the seed and someone else waters, someone else fertilizes, and one day God brings that to fruition. So let's encourage each other. That's what Paul said to do. Encourage each other with these words. This is still real. The world coming against us. The world says you're foolish. And too many Christians say that isn't so. But God's word is true. He doesn't change. It's still sound. And on one day, it'll be here, there, or in the air that you'll meet our Savior face to face. Oh, blessed day. Let's stand for a prayer and sing. Our precious Heavenly Father, thank you for these words. <coughs> Lord, thank you for that sure knowledge that trouble, misery comes at night, but joy comes in the morning and the morning's coming. The sun's going to rise and one day we who are alive will be called up to meet you in the air. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray a burden upon each one here, a burden for lost souls, an urgency, Lord, to say something. We don't know the outcome. The other person is free to make their decision. But on that great day that we stand before you, we'll know we said something. So I, I ask you just to lay that on all of us, Lord, to get serious about this day, to get it right in our hearts if there's any question, but to share it with those you bring into our sphere. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.